Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Underscoring all of this as we talk about this racial reckoning is xenophobia, is racism, is white supremacy. What, how, when, when, when you separate brown children, especially from their mothers, we have to ask ourselves, how was that allowed to be to happen? And how what role did white supremacy play in that? Yesterday, the head of the CDC, as you know, said that it was safe to reopen schools without vaccinating teachers. Uh, Dr. Walensky um, spoke to this uh, in her personal capacity. Obviously, she's the head of the CDC. Brian, it's been really refreshing to have briefings every day and to even know who the senior officials talking to Biden are. We, it is refreshing. I do kind of a put it towards like having a really bad ex-boyfriend. <laughs> we were getting essentially abused by Kaylee for so long. There is no bad guy left, at least in Massachusetts, pointing the finger at, turn the screws on, and, you know, break their will so they stop admitting. That's you. We have to break your will. <laughs> I can't even say that publicly. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, can you? Don't worry, David. We've got it memorialized for you. That is, uh, you're better. David Ismay, he works for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. He is, David Ismay is officially the Undersecretary for Climate Change. He works for the Massachusetts Executive Office. And he was kvetching on a Zoom call um, that, that, um, unfortunately, in Massachusetts, the big environmental targets for, uh, for, set for destruction... We're not available because Massachusetts complies uh, in many ways, so we don't have big coal or big oil really here. So, unfortunately, that leaves uh, Joe Chump Commuter uh, to go after, and um, that means if you're somebody who has to work for a living and you live in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, that means you. And uh, <laughs> it's remarkable that he said this. The Undersecretary for Climate Anything is a total jerk tell, is it not? Jesus. David Walensky. Uh, no, no, not David Walensky. That's somebody else. Uh, Ismay is his name uh, once again. Incredible. Can you imagine 
Can you imagine? Yeah, the problem is that in Massachusetts, many people have uh, have made the uh, have uh, made the uh, transition to green energy, electric cars, etc. But but many of them haven't. So they're what we have left to target for destruction and harassment. Jesus, man, these in the name of humanity, these people hate humans. You know, one thing that we found through our analysis is that 60% of our emissions come from, from, as I have been starting to say, you and me, except you guys are in Vermont. 60% of our emissions come from... Red- yeah, you guys are in Vermont, so it's not you. You've got your own undersecretary for climate oppression to deal with up there. I'll start again. Pardon me, David. Go ahead. You know, one thing that we found through our analysis is that 60% of our emissions come from, from, as I have been starting to say, you and me, except you guys are in Vermont. 60% of our emissions come from residential heating and passenger vehicles. So let me say that again. 60% of our emissions that need to be reduced come from you, the person across the street, the senior on fixed income, right? These There is no bad guy left, at least in Massachusetts, point the finger at, turn the screws on, and, you know, break their will so they stop emitting. That's you. We have to break your will. Right? <laughs> I can't even say that publicly. I'm, what I'm trying to say is... <laughs> oh, my God. Is this guy actually still... Let me Google it. Is he still employed, David Ismay? Let me just see if he's employed. David Ismay. Hands on Capture the video. Break your will. Is he still actually employed at this moment? Still? Yeah, I guess so. As of now, he seems to be completely employed. The arrogance of these people, these pointy headed, over credentialed know it alls. He's the Undersecretary of Climate Change. He knows what's worth it and what what isn't worth it. You're not worth it. You're in the way. He's doing really important work. Remember John Kerry the other day? You know, some for somebody like me, I have to take a plane. He's doing see he's somebody like him. David Ismay is a somebody like him guy. And you are a hindrance to the important work that he and all the other globalists who meet in Switzerland and the and uh other uh, Monte Carlo or whatever city is touted as the uh, World Expo site for a climate people like them, um, you know. So that's him. So he knows better than you. And if you think that there's any kind of um, honor or uh, justification, honor for you working every day, driving to work, schlepping there, and putting in your eight hours and having to burn fossil fuel because that's the fuel we have right now as much as David may wants us to use the lithium crystals so they are not readily available but they look at you as god these god they're such hindrances they're such a pain you know you know they're just in the way and that's why it's the same thing with the, with the the you know what all the other pointy headed people with with the covid stuff you know if they just stop going out and talking to each other and they just stop you know I was I was, as one moron who actually teaches for college, a college in Boston said, I was walking in the in the Middlesex Fells the other day during the pandemic, and I can't believe how many people are out walking around. My God, now I walk in the Fells, but I know I, I'm a truly virtuous person when I walk in the Fells. I'm me. But the rest of these people, I can't believe, what are they doing? They're being irresponsible. I'm an, an important evangelist for crazy leftist causes. So, of course, I get a pass. Me and David Ismay and John Kerry, we get passes. Because we're somebody like me. It's the only choice for people like us. Yes. 
That's exactly what it is. Can you imagine that? We can't put the screws to them, you know. So the only people we can put the screws to here are the idiots who are who are still left in this state for whatever reason. So the people we'll the just driving to work and heating their houses. Imagine, imagine the nerve of them. Yeah, they don't say things like social justice, and they don't say things like equity enough, like we do. Us important people in government who fly in planes because we're somebody like we. They don't say important words we have, like climate justice and food apartheid. We know these odd uh, progressive concepts, and we say them to each other in special places where they can't come in. God, how is this? This guy is, Alice, as far as I can see, this guy is still employed. Uh, apparently, by our Republican governor, too, by the way. Well, right, but he's also, he's also hogtied himself in all of this. We're going to do it in an equitable way, and we're going to be equitable about it, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to use it with an eye towards equity in these... And meanwhile, we can't get any vaccines out in this in this place. Yeah. We just started a hotline number for old people, these old people who mm-hmm. David Ismay needs to put the screws to. We just gave them an 800 number a few days ago yeah. because we're tr- looking into t- winning uh, an award by um, t- uh, Ibram X. Kendi or whatever. Instead of doing the public health measure that we need to do to save lives. Right. There's a thousand stories in Massachusetts of the incompetence. You know, there there were a couple of young women who've now started a charity where they help old people sign up to get the vaccine. Framingham just had a debacle where um, they were letting people sign up on the state website for their vaccine site. And they didn't realize until over 300 people had signed up that... Uh, they they only wanted it to be for Framingham residents, so then they turned it off. But uh, several hundred older, seventy five plus people showed up at the vaccine site with scheduled appointments Jesus. that they were turning away, uh, saying, "No, we're only doing Framingham residents first. Sorry." Like, can you imagine the level of gross incompetence in this state? It's just unbelievable. Well, it's not just gross incompetence; it's matched with the most credentialed. Highest educated, most self-important people in the world. They're so over. Well, and then of course the whole thing that torpedoes it, regardless, is that the totally illogical, conceptual construct of social justice is wound through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So you're you're. It's we're actually from the doing beginning. a good job. You just don't understand right. the brilliant thing that we're trying to do here. Oh, okay, but it's. It's really like the the whole Massachusetts thing is kind of shocking. And I think people who move here, who don't know, like who move, come here for college and then stay or whatever, uh, that, that they're so shocked by it because it's it's really unnerving how how like terrible Massachusetts is at doing stuff. And a lot of it dates back to like patronage jobs and stuff. But like there's just there's just this sort of stick in the mud weird way that Massachusetts functions where they just can't get stuff done. Like remember the storms, the snowstorms a few years ago and the MBTA just stopped working for like a month. <laughs> like it just like the commuter rail trains just like nothing worked. They were like, "Well, the switches froze and, and that lady like Beverly whatever who was yeah. running the thing and was making like 200 and something thousand dollars a year and like they just the MBTA just like wasn't wasn't going for no, like a month." No, but she was of but remember year. she was praising the work they were doing. Yeah. They are working night and day and we're, yeah, I'm sure they we're are. Gonna be flying like an eagle, she was saying. I'm sure they are. How, how long have we been talking about this? She was Fauci. She was the first Fauci. <laughs> we'll be flying like right. an eagle. And the, the men and women, the work they do in these in these trains, you would you can't believe it unless you see it's like shut up, all the trains are snowed in. 
It might right. be great. I'm glad you're singing their praises, and you know we're mm-hmm. doing the the Cuomo book tour about the MBTA right now. But it doesn't work right now. Yeah, there's people who are paying monthly passes. I mean, and commuter rail monthly passes are absurdly expensive. They're like hundreds of dollars if you live anywhere distant from the city. So they're paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars to their monthly passes for a commuter rail that just was out of commission for like the entire month. And this was before remote work was like acceptable. It was such a disaster. And you would think we're in Massachusetts, so you would think they would plan for snow. But like everything is like that in the state. I don't understand it. The vaccine rollout shouldn't surprise people because Massachusetts is like debacle heaven everything goes wrong all the time every construction project takes forever goes way over budget roads are out of commission for like years it's just it's nuts like think about how long have we been trying to do the green line extension really like how long have you been hearing about the green line extension it's been at least since i was in college so like the early 2000s yeah i you know this is beverly scott and this is an this is a We've, we're going a way off ramp here. And for those of you who don't, she was like we said, she handled the MBTA some years back, about 2015 or so. This I was at the mm-hmm. Super Bowl when all this happened. Yeah, but this is um, I think Her- she was on Herald Radio, Boston Herald Radio, and she was asked how long before everything got put back together. As long as we don't hit another one of these, like uh, you know, like this blizzard that we just hit, then um, you know I, I would tell you that that within 30 days we would be able to uh, fully recover the system. Okay, and so we're just um, and that and I hope it's sooner than that. <laughs> we're gonna need how Fauci is that? Well, all the transportation, all the the rail transportation in this in this city, it's got to be shut down. We're gonna need a month. This is there's a if lot there's of snow. There's no other blizzards. If there's yeah. no other blizzards, it'll take right. a month. There's a lot of snow and we didn't expect that for New England. We don't expect that. You in yeah. December usually. No. It's you know, it's balmy usually in December. It's incredible. And it was it, wild. but at least yeah. she wasn't didn't seem to be completely arrogant in a feat. Mm-hmm. No, she was a hack and a bureaucrat. That's fine. She didn't explain to us why it was our fault that the right. trains were snowed yeah, that's right. in. <laughs> and that now is something so, that's laudable. So, yeah, I mean, but it's, so I don't know why anyone's surprised that Massachusetts can't hand out vaccines because everyone's always like, we have so much healthcare infrastructure and we have all these colleges. Everyone's so smart and competent in Massachusetts. And then they like come to Massachusetts and actually live here and nothing works. And like people who've lived here their whole right. lives are just like, yeah, no, Massachusetts, like we can't handle things. Yeah, no, no, there was a, yeah, yeah. We can't, we don't get to have, people are like, oh, the Green Line extension, it's going to be great. It's like for like a mile's worth of train right. so it, that it, you don't have to drive in a big U all the way around the city of Boston just to get across the river. But no, we're like, they can't, they can't do like one mile's worth of train. Like they, right. they've been talking about it for, they've been, they've had the money set aside for it for decades and they can't get it done. And they can't even get to the decision-making to get to the decision-making to get it done. Just like with yeah. Boston 2024. The moment they said, <laughs> we've selected Boston to be one of the destinations for the 2024 Olympics, we were like, <laughs> there's no way. One, first of all, there's no way at all this even gets to that the point where we're going to be a finalist. One. Two, if we are, there's no way at least three dozen people aren't indicted in the process. And like we had in Boston, they had uh, we were going to have um, – Car racing, Grand Prix racing. Oh yeah, which I was for. I thought that's mm-hmm. cool because I, I don't care. Who cares at the mm-hmm. end of the day? Sure, just just they, what are they screw up traffic anymore? And of course, we couldn't get that off the ground without oh, no. people being indicted. And now <laughs> it's just canceled. Now forget we ever mentioned it. Forget. Yeah, it. I mean, or even like to go back to the MBTA, the like fancy orange line cars. Yeah, remember those? They were like they rolled it out. Charlie Baker cut the ribbon on the fancy new orange line car. There's like two of them for the whole orange line part of the MBTA. It's like they're. 
if you see one, it's like seeing a unicorn in the wild. And I'm sure they're all banged <laughs> up now. People are like, my God, I saw one of the new Orange Line cars today. <laughs> I didn't get to get on it. I just saw it in the distance pulling away. But, you know. <laughs> it's just a, this is a state with huge bureaucracy. There mm-hmm. are hacks and hacks and hacks. And we've dealt with some with our own house. Uh, but they're everywhere. And two years ago, I'm on one of these NBA tra- NBTA trains uh, at um, at one point, and we had to stop. We had to stop short of my stop, like 10 stops short, so like 15 miles short of where I was, mm-hmm. because houses around the Merrimack Valley were exploding. <laughs> because of the, because the, <laughs> It's not funny. Someone it's not died. funny. Somebody did die. <laughs> but we had houses exploding because there was crappy oversight of the gas lines that were mm-hmm. that were installed and for three towns it was like okay nothing 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 all right we'll chase that one we'll chase that one anybody know what's happening no everybody a little nervous yeah we're not really <laughs> sure here it's incredible essentially the, the company was sending too much gas in i guess essentially yeah. that's what, whatever but, but then we got blamed for using fossil fuel see that's why we should right. have pipelines and like some towns refuse to do any new gas hookups yes. for any new houses or and, whatever and, and, and when deval patrick was governor we had a huge storm snowstorm back then oh my god i got stuck in that one for so right. long and i it was uh, i had gone home i'd taken an early slide already mm-hmm. it was a bad snowstorm it was bad made the roads bad he sent all state workers home immediately mm-hmm. and, and all the private companies followed suit right. so everyone left work so all the roads were jammed Cro- everything was gridlock crosswalks uh, <laughs> yeah it, it, every intersection. intersection was blocked yes. for about 10 hours in boston i'm not yes. that's not an exaggeration for I 10 had... hours people sat not moving <laughs> in the streets of boston i was stuck on a highway uh probably like 20 miles outside of boston going two exits down the highway it's like normally a 15 minute mm-hmm. drive and i was stuck for three and a half hours on the highway i had to like in a bottle. Alice! <laughs> sorry. Jesus. But I was stuck in the car. You couldn't go anywhere. People How does that were... even... I don't know. <laughs> People were, like, getting out and having to uh, wipe their cars off from snow, like, put their cars in park on the highway and wipe their cars off in the middle of the highway. It was nuts. Right, and like... we had a... I lived in Belmont at the time, and the, the guy lived in the apartment above me, very straight shooter, young couple, mm-hmm. in, very healthy, very whatever... He got home uh, out of his car. I had been home because I, like I told you, I took a half day. I was like, you know. and uh, he got home and he was dead to the world. <laughs> and he ripped open a bottle out of a bag because he had walked uh, as his car was stuck in the highway to a packy. Yeah. And he had some Jack Daniels or whatever and just started sucking it down. Yeah. Uh, man, he, it was... he went something like, Jesus Christ. Well, anyway, that's uh, just some of the things that, that yeah, we get. Yeah, this is a small sampling so, of Massachusetts uh, handling of projects. But it's also done, of course. How is Dr. Fauci not a Harvard alum? or do- <laughs> How can he not have ties to Massachusetts? He is so perfectly <laughs> a Massachusetts kind of bureaucrat. Uh, so anyway, you may have wanted to know what the delays are with the National Vaccine Program. Mm-hmm. Chuck Todd. Ask Dr. Fauci, what's the deal? What's been going wrong? That is the limiting factor, Chuck. It's it, the supply-demand issue. And is this because, is this? Is there any way this moment could have been prevented? Um, six months ago, should we have expanded manufacturing capacity and we didn't? Is that why we're here or was this inevitable? You know, in some respects, Chuck, with all due respect and fairness, it's a bit inevitable. We certainly, I guess, could have contracted a little bit more aggressively with the companies to get more doses. But right now, this is what we have. Oh, we could have contracted. We could have gotten a lot more doses. I mean, back then, yeah, we could have put in for a lot more doses. But it wasn't done. So 
What do you mean? How is this not what he says before he says, and so I'd like to offer my resignation in here. Right. Well, I could have, looking back now, we could have gotten more doses. Hey, guys, they say back in March or April, so it's time to buy the doses. Should we buy not enough, exactly enough, or much more just in case? You know what? Let's do somewhere between not enough and exactly enough. <laughs> Sound good? So, I mean... I kind of think, though, that that's like not even an accurate assessment of the problem because the companies are churning out the doses and a lot of them are getting to the states um, and the states aren't getting all of them out. You know what I mean? It's not like the states have given out 100% well, of the doses that they that they had and then they're like, come on, we need more doses. Well, that's Where are a the problem, doses? too, but the states also, like, as of last week, there were no more doses in the state. It had been pushed out. So I mean, there in some states, in not some states. in all states. Massachusetts where, is sitting states, on some. Massachusetts last week was was, um, or at least where I was, was uh, up in Lowell. They were vaccinating four hundred people a day, which is not enough for the Lowell uh, Merrimack Valley. It's not enough, and they should be doing at least a thousand. Hopefully, they will be. But there is a lag in the supply chain is is not right. consistent. Hasn't been consistent. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would think. Yeah, I mean, and there's stuff like Moderna's asked the FDA for permission to fill the vials up higher so they mm-hmm. have more doses in them. And, like, the FDA's been hemming and hawing. I don't even know if that's been updated, what the status of that is. But, like, yeah, there's all kinds of weird But to have this guy groups. say it. <clears throat> right. And that shows, that's just a t- that's just total incompetence. Mm-hmm. Does anybody at the table, what, are they afraid to say, to ask say more? Is it because Trump was going to yell at them? See, yeah, see the- Trump didn't want to buy doses of the vaccine. I don't think that that's true. I think uh, Trump was a big booster of the vaccine at a time when everybody was saying he was crazy to be a booster right. of the vaccine. Am I right about that? Like, didn't they all say it would take a miracle and he was out of control and they weren't going to take the vaccine because he was rushing it or whatever? Right. So, I mean, and that's just one. This is a, this is a, a symphony of incompetence. So there we've got locally with our local um, our, our local incompetence. There's Fauci with the uh, CDC part of the incompetence. And, of course, there's bureaucratic and political incompetence, which is why that even though last week Rachel Walensky of the CDC, which is the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. I don't know why the P gets left off. but Because <laughs> CDCP you know would be. No, you know right. what? Rachel Walensky of the CDCP. <laughs> okay. Said this at a White House briefing. Mm-hmm. At a White House briefing, there's a big seal on the front of the podium that says, uh, president of the United States, uh-huh. whatever. It's, uh, maybe it doesn't say president. It says the White House, okay? It's right. a White House briefing. She's a White House official, Rachel Walensky. Mm-hmm. She is part of the CDC. She's the head of the task force. Okay. She says this. Um, but I also want to be clear that there is increasing uh, data to suggest that schools can safely reopen and that that safe reopening does not um, uh, suggest that teachers need to be vaccinated in order to reopen safely. So while we are implementing um, the criteria of the advisory committee and of the state and local um, guidances to get uh, vaccination across these eligible uh, communities, I would also say that um, safe reopening of schools is not, um, that vaccination of teachers is not a prerequisite for safe reopening of schools. Um, but I also want to be clear this that is there is again. increasing oh, is uh, data to suggest that. So there you go. We get the point there. Right. We right. get the point. Right. Okay. You don't need vaccinations to go back right. to school. It's time to open the schools. And mm-hmm. she, that's the, that's the person who needs to say it officially to green light everybody else. All of the states have been using their recommendations and their memorandi and et cetera. Yeah, that's what you do when you follow right. the science is you listen to the CDC. Right. So done. 
She says that. The next day, mm-hmm. she is no longer visible immediately. Jen Psaki is at the podium, and she is asked about this uh, situation. Yesterday, the head of the CDC, as you know, said that it was safe to reopen schools without vaccinating teachers. You said that the White House was still waiting to waiting for the official guidance before making a final determination. Why isn't what the director of the CDC says, why isn't that enough? Well, first, the the director of the CDC also has said they haven't issued their final guidance. And we, of course, wait for that process to complete and see its way through, as she would say as well. I believe she did an interview. By the way, does it seem like the CDC will ever have final guidance? Uh, Things seem to shift quite a bit. Correct. (laughs) Last night where she spoke to this uh, issue again, the president, uh, let me be crystal clear, wants... What should you be saying to yourself when a presidential flag says, let me be crystal clear? Um, I'm about to be lied to. Correct. <laughs> Schools to open. He wants them to stay open. Um, and that is and he wants to do that safely. And he wants health and medical experts to be the guides for. He wants a health and medical expert to be a guide. So people like the director. Rochelle Walensky seems like they should ask her for, uh, how we should do exactly that. So. So now, this is not only, by the way, this is the most honest administration ever. This is honesty uh-huh. happening. Finally, we have honesty back in the White mm-hmm. House. So, so refreshing. Right. Biden absolutely wants them to be back in school. But we need a health and medical expert, preferably a high-ranking one, to give us the green light, which they did. So we're just not she uh, the, the uh, Dr. Walensky um, spoke to this uh, in her personal capacity. I- <laughs> That's a bus throwing under my ever. That is the biggest. (laughs) um, Is the Pinocchio system of lying calculation still around? So they invite people from the CDC to just come up and speak in their personal capacity? Dr. Walensky, apparently, no, that was just Rochelle. Yeah, this is somebody's buddy Rochelle. She had just punched out from the Kronos machine, and she was no longer on the clock. Now she was just Rochelle, just hanging and banging with people, just shooting the breeze. Mm-hmm. And that's when she said, you know, you can go back to school. Her personal capacity. Can right. you believe that? My goodness. This. So what is it, by the way, with Jen Psaki? Is she incompetent or lying? Obviously, she's the head of the CDC, but we're going to wait for the final guidance to come out so we can use that as a guide for schools around the country. It was her personal capacity. Obviously, uh-huh. she's the head of the CDC. But it was her personal capacity, and we can't, even though she said that, but she said that as a person, not as an official. Mm-hmm. So we're just waiting for an official to say it who's uh, at the CDC. Right. And this, I mean, this is an urgent issue. People are, you know, hurting from this. Families are, kids are hurting. This isn't, and, you know, people make light of this, like, kids are resilient. They'll survive. Kids have been through wars. Kids go through wars in some parts of the world. Look at the kids in Yemen. Like, yeah, we know. Thank you. But we're paying for a school system that's not operating in many cases. So this was a thread from over the weekend. Um, This uh, reporter, Ann Bauer, um, posted in Minnesota where the schools haven't been open since last year. They've been all remote. And um, she wrote, I listened in on a Zoom parents meeting with a Minnesota senator tonight. The topic was schools. I'm not going to name the district or the legislature. I was a guest and that's their business. However bad, sad and depressing I thought it would be, it was worse. Let me start by saying this is a wealthy district, maybe one of the top five in the state. The parents are almost all white professionals. To be honest, I almost discounted it. I thought they're fine. I should be worrying about the families in real need. 
well, they're not fine. There were parents who said they'd never seen their kids dark or hopeless or unhappy, mm. and I believe it. Their suburb is the Shangri-La of Minnesota till last year. They described girls who hid in their rooms and cried and boys falling so far behind they might never catch up. Over and over, because these were nice people, they acknowledged how lucky they are. They said they have the money for tutors and electronics, and they're worried about families that don't. I believe them. They were measuring their situation against people with less, with nothing. Still, what surprised me is how money didn't make this okay. These parents looked terrified. Two of the fathers cried. One turned off his video because he could not keep it together. Two of the moms had outbursts and I couldn't blame them. Everything they said was true. They said our state is way behind, not just the world, but the country, that we've denied our children a decent education for a full year. They said their kids are not at risk for COVID. They pointed out that the teachers are less likely to be infected in the classroom than in the community. They talked about suicidal kids, their own and others. They talked about promising athletes who couldn't play sports. They said their kids are being sacrificed, which is 100% true. A teen who looked to be about 15 spoke. She was eloquent and dear and intensely respectful. She started sobbing halfway through and said she got to a place so dark she didn't know if she'd get out. So the senator was in a tough spot. She was gracious. She thanked everyone. And then, this is true, she talked about the trade-offs and the fact that other businesses also have to deal with shutdowns. Someone reminded her that school isn't supposed to be a business. At this point, she pivoted and, for reasons I will never understand, started talking about how she herself had to go to the Capitol because she was a public servant and there were certain partisan senators there refusing to wear masks. <laughs> I screamed at this point. Luckily, I was on mute. She talked about variants and said twice that Mike Osterholm, our Minnesota guy, was predicting a huge surge in cases in the next 6 to 14 weeks. She talked about how they were doing our, their best to keep everyone safe. I want to be clear. She was in an unwinnable spot and probably has no control over teachers' unions, but again, Again and again, the rhetoric was around safety and infection variant systems. There was never a moment when the veil slipped and really got its, in reality, got its due. The parents were remarkably controlled. They thanked her for her time and they said they understood and promised to stay in touch. I left the meeting and sat there and I had to remind myself that I'm not suffering the way they are. For a minute, the horror was so great, I forgot. I really feel tonight like there's no way to get the train of public education going again. Like we're just deciding to throw away this generation of kids like burnt toast. There will be virtual committees and task forces assembled while they sit in their bedrooms alone. My advice to every parent in Minnesota tonight, and remember I'm raw and on edge and probably not in my calmest state, is move. Kids are going to school in person in Florida and Texas and Pennsylvania and Massachusetts. We're one of the few places that is this broken. Go. I would. But tell Governor Tim Walls when you do. So uh, I know that's long, but I just no, thought it was a, so it was powerful. That's Ann Bauer, writer on Twitter, and uh, and that's her thread about a Minnesota school district. But I just thought that that was um, an incredible, incredible uh, account of how these school board meetings are going. And it's all, it's all across the country. There are lots yes. of places where schools haven't opened. And I talked to some uh, in, in north central Massachusetts, a a healthcare um, leader. I don't want to say, but um, it was a off the record thing. And for the first time, when we spoke to this person, she had said she had led with not the COVID, but the mental health problems and the young mm -hmm. people going in there more and more. It just it just hurting themselves, messing themselves up. Who and parents who are horrified because pa parents can't do this. Parents can't be co-teachers. Or many right. can't do it, and parents have things to do. There's real life. Real life for other people has never stopped happening, mm -hmm. and now you've got more and more parents who have to take extra gigs and this and that. And this is a bad scene, and we're going to see the the fact that this is now 
a running theme in the White House, that the White House, that these goddamn cowardly elected leaders are afraid to pull the trigger, the fact that they're getting it from now, from uh, the healthcare community, they're getting hit from the healthcare community, Mm -hmm. and now they're getting hit from parents, and they're getting hit um, from, now the White House is now getting hit from the press, tells you that this has... This has permeated almost all corners. Yeah. And the, the, only the lack place of action. The teachers' unions. That's the only people right, still holding exactly. out for schools not to open. And so, the, but this administration and Jen Psaki is doing her best to brush off questions about mm-hmm. this stuff. But the questions are not going to stop coming because very shortly, TV producers, et cetera, are going to get pitches, the tsunami of pitches, talking about. Horrific stories like you just read and worse mm-hmm. ones that involve coffins and kids. And the bleep is going to hit the fan. And right. she can't keep on – this isn't even obfuscating. This is just blowing off questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something – this is absolutely a, a an administration that is cowardly. And this is uh, Klain, Biden's guy, and Biden himself. But it's not going to stop. Uh, this, I, I'll frame it as a yes, no, or maybe, perhaps. Um, I never like those questions, but go ahead. Will President Biden use the power of the bully pulpit to help cajole teachers who are unwilling to go back to schools to go back? Well, one, I'm just going to reject the premise of the question. Uh, I will say um, I have teachers in my family, as I'm sure. Oh, well, that's really important, Jen. Do tell. Anything else that you'd like to say? How many? What Are they uh, girls, boys, elementary school? Jesus, I have teachers in my family. If that's not an it, immediate admission mm-hmm. that I have um, tossed away the ability to uh, answer this question straight on, mm-hmm. and I'm using now a personal testimonial to try to fob you off, I don't know what it is. Many of you do. Um, they are the first people to tell you that being uh, teaching in the classroom and being able to engage with kids in the classroom or middle schoolers or high schoolers in the classroom, it makes their job more enjoyable, makes them more effective at what they do. Well, good. Then it's a unanimous. <laughs> yeah. You want them in? They want to be in? The kids want to be back in? The adults want them back in? Then let's do it. What's stopping you, Jen? The president is absolutely committed to reopening schools. He wants them to- so if absolutely committed means not doing anything, mm-hmm. what if he's less than committed on something? Reversing? My God, if this is not this is what you wanted. Yeah. You if you wanted a if, if you wanted a politician, you wanted to go back to the old days without the scary tweets that scared you, et cetera. <laughs> well, you are we're back in the old days now where the teachers unions run the country, run policy. But I don't think that this is like a bell that can be unrung here. You know, people feel betrayed and like people like me who started off this year thinking I'm going to homeschool just for the year while it's this remote stuff because this really isn't working for me. You know, I'm now questioning whether we'll go back in future years or at all because um, the way the school systems, the administrations and the teachers unions have behaved, even in school systems that have partially gone back and everything is so toxic that, yes. you know, it. It's really them showing their true colors and what they care about and why they're there. And it makes you wonder, why am I sending my kid to go be around these people? You're right. Why am I being a hostage to this group of clowns? Really? You're right. I mean, like, and, and, you know, you, you as a parent, if your kid is crying every day because, you know, you set up your life to depend on a service being there that you pay for through your property taxes, you move to the town where you want to pay the taxes and send your kids to the school system, and 
they just pull that rug out from under you and walk away. I mean, how, what are the chances when they come back and say like, okay, well now we're ready to go back to normal and guess what? We need a tax override to, you know, raise your taxes for more money for a raise for the teachers who've been through so much. I mean, like, what do the parents say? How do you go back to the way it was before. I don't. I don't know that that's a, a proposition that's going to happen. I, I totally agree with you. I think that if anything, this is showing now that the teachers' union is the union f- for the teachers. Their entire reason is to help and assist the teachers. Is to d- deflect on behalf of the teachers. Is to d- not budge one bit. Mm-hmm. They are for the teachers. There is not the students' union. They could give a flying bleep about the students. Right. They could care less, especially at a time now when you'd think if you love the students, you would think that you, they'd want to be there. This is when you need them. Mm-hmm. This is when you need them. This is They are only serving the interests of the teachers. And the fact that in some states, everybody else is back but the people who are supposed to watch the children eight hours a day. Everyone else is back, mm-hmm. but the people who are supposed to love the children, they're not back. Everybody, yeah. You're the last ones to come back. You're yeah. the last ones. We want to make mean, sure we have a whole new HVAC system. It is ridiculous. Yeah. The I essential say, worker talk reveals a lot. Like You're showing exactly how essential you think you are, frankly. Not just to reopen, but to stay open. And he wants to do that in a safe way. And we're going to rely on CDC guidance. Mm-hmm. But not the director of the CDC because she disagreed with us. That was her personal capacity. Right. Not that uh, Which, again, is not officially out yet to determine the best way to do it. Well, yeah, it's not officially out, out yet because right now the teachers union is writing it. <laughs> but there are several mitigating factors that we've seen in data to date. This is what we call now a lie. Since that's a new word now, we're allowed mm-hmm. to just say lie now. That will help make it safe. Of course, vaccines are part of that, but so is masking. So is social distancing. So is ensuring that schools have the vaccines are part of that. At the, you know, at the beginning, we didn't think we'd have a a a uh, a vaccine for two years. Mm-hmm. So, but it was always going to be part of it. Sorry. So there's a vaccine in the horizon. We're sitting back here. Mm, so sorry. Trump got the vaccine done, and now yeah, no, mm, that's just one piece social- of many that we are going to have to have before we go back. We want the same vaccine level and social distancing and all these other things that we don't demand every day when we go into the grocery store and shop. The ventilation and the um, facilities that they need in order to do it safely. That's our focus. So the president's focus is on, and that's one of the reasons why he's out advocating for the American Rescue Plan. Part of that is funding so that schools can do exactly that. You hear that? Mm Mm-hmm. Better vote for the plan. You better vote for those bailouts in cities and towns yeah. and blue states or else, sorry, mm-hmm. kids can't go back as much as we yeah. want them to. If it comes down to a binary choice and there's no indication that, you know. Like I said, if you think that this isn't a bellwether as to where the press is mm-hmm. and where the American people are now on this issue. The teachers union in Chicago or, or San Francisco are willing to budge at this point. If it comes down to a binary choice, who would the president choose, the kids or the teachers? I, I think that's a little bit unfair how you pose that question, but I will say the president believes schools should be open. Teachers want schools to be open. Families want schools to be open, but we want to do it safely. And I'm not sure that any parent in this country would disagree with wanting their kids to go 
go to school in a safe environment where there's ventilation, where proper precautions are taken. There's no ventilation now in place. <laughs> I, think, I don't know, you know how I they think, breathed all think, these years at school. It just seems like they there was no way to get air into classrooms until until this year. But in, I, and it's such a strymon. I think any parent would want to make sure that there's ventilation in the schools, right? Kids are at more risk every year from flu than kids have been at all from COVID at any point during this. So so pointing at kids' safety is absolutely complete top-to-bottom BS. And whether no. it's masks or social distancing, and that's his priority. But there should be no confusion. The president of the United States wants schools to open. He wants them to stay. There should be no confusion, mm-hmm. man. If this isn't flackery at its most subpar. Be open, and that is key, too. He doesn't want them to be open for a month. That's disruptive for teachers, for students, for families. Uh, so he wants the uh, proper steps to be taken so that they can be reopen and stay uh, stay open. He wants them to be open so much that he can't have them be open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, um, it's really, like, weird hostage situation language like oh jesus yeah we really we really want to be able to teach your children but until you pass this uh bill that we just can't do it we really we really want to return your child to you we want you to pay the ransom so that we can pay, give you back your loved one and like it's it's bizarre and i think it's interesting that you know, it's been so ingrained in these media people now that we follow the science and listen to the CDC and all this stuff. And they've been told that the Democrats are the party of science, et cetera, et cetera. So now that all these science people have been saying really for uh, eight months, probably, you know, over the summer, science people were saying kids could go back to school. Um, and, and and. They've been saying it consistently. The American Academy of Pediatrics has been saying it. The CDC has been saying it. Uh, the Harvard School of Public Health has been saying it. Everybody's been saying kids should be going back to school. There's not evidence that this contributes to the spread. Kids themselves are in no danger, especially younger kids. It's it, that, that I think the media is starting to say, like, well, then what's the issue? Because they've been told that Democrats follow science. So, but, you know. Right. Well, uh, because, yes, and they also, once you have the CDC honcho come and say that, you know, then that should be it. Dr. Walensky um, spoke to this uh, in her personal capacity. Obviously, she's the head of the CDC, but we're going to wait for the final guidance to come out. The dog is gaseous. That's why I have a <laughs> match right now. and Oh, she got into. So, uh, of course, Dr. Fauci was asked about this by Chuck Todd. That is the limiting factor. Now, here we go. Fairfax County Public Schools calls you up today and says, tell us what, you know, can we open up? What would you say? And if not, how would you tell them to open up? Well, that's a simple question, but with a complicated answer, because it really depends on the level of infection in the community. The one principle. But the superette is open regardless of the level of infection mm-hmm. in the community. Everything else is open, regardless of the level right. of infection. Oh, sorry, except for the bars, but they want to be open. We stand by, and the President Biden has said that, we want to get the schools K-8 to open within the next 100 days, all of them. They, you want to be the first to open, the last to close. What they need is they're going to need some help, and that's why we want the American Rescue Plan. This guy's not a whore at all, I don't mm-hmm. think. That's the, the fact that America's most beloved health profession, profession, professional now just as lobbies us a little bit and saying, you, you know, we just need you to sign this big pork package, uh, you know, right. that's going to cut checks to uh, every American and non-American in the country. 
among other things. It's so, this guy, God, this guy is total rubbish. The American Rescue Act to get through so that the schools can have the capability with masks, with the ability to get better ventilation, Mm -hmm. all the things you want to do. Of course, vaccination helps, Chuck. He admitted a couple of months ago that we could open the schools now. Mm-hmm. Of course, he didn't say anything about the American Rescue Act a couple of months ago because he wasn't told to, but he is happy to be a creepy, <laughs> creepy flack hack. God, can you imagine? Oh, the guy in the lab coat says we need the American Rescue Act in order to open the schools for our kids who are depressed. Wow, if these people aren't, if this isn't dark, and those of you, by the way, who thought the evil Trump authoritarian, these people are jerking around your kids. This is the good administration with mm-hmm. all fine people who don't raise the anxiety of the country and raise the temperature of the country. No, they're not raising the anxiety and the temperature of the country. No, they're just screwing your kids because they could give a damn because this crooked union greases their pockets, greases their palms at every turn. So that is where that is. Thankfully, some folks in uh, media are noticing, thankfully. But our politics is terrible, our media is terrible, and uh, I don't see it ending. You, what, what hurts for me about the media being terrible is that some of these complete and utter morons are receiving government money, receiving taxpayer monkey, money. Um, you know, I, I, I've talked about the, the people in, in journalism who I dislike, and there are a lot of them <laughs> in the White House press corps. Um, I've got a problem with a lot of the folks on, on, uh, TV. I even, in, in, and it's not just the left wing people too. You know, this, I, I'm sick of the, I'm, I'm sick of the, the, like tabloid, um, dunking on people stuff, but Yamichi Alcindor is making a lot of money and is paid in part by the United States tax taxpayer. And for her, to come in as a reporter, mm-hmm. somebody who doesn't bring in priors, somebody who's non-biased, somebody who's going to decipher and disseminate the news. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, that's her job to come in with, I'd say, a bit of a with some a, a preconceived baggage, I think is problematic. Let's remember that President Trump. Of, for all the things that he did in the in the four years that he was in office, family separation in particular will go down as one of the most signature, dangerous, cruel, um, dehumanizing things that that a president has done in the history of the United States. There, obviously, that is so incredibly historically naive mm-hmm. to say that whatsoever. Family separation is part of a legal process that had to happen at that point. It was court-ordered. You could not... The law says that you had to apprehend people who weren't crossing at at, uh, border crossings, at, uh, what were they called, Uh, points of entry. Mm -hmm. So if you do that, you have to put somebody into the legal system for trespassing into the country, so to speak. Right. To do that, you can't have the kid... Travel with the parent. You couldn't have the kid travel with the parent. Now there's there are court findings, et cetera, that led to the whole thing. I, I you know, if I, I, I didn't like it at the time. I didn't like it during with Obama at the time. I thought it was just a bad look. It, Congress it, could also end it at any exactly, time if Congress exactly. wanted to fix our. But for her, to, for her system. to say this in the history of the country, mm-hmm. this is not the Japanese internment. 
No. This is not Andrew Dr- Jackson's treatment of the Indians. This is not a lot of things of what happened to, yeah. with the hands of presidents. I mean, th- to say this, this is just... This isn't even... I mean, Lincoln did stuff that was more dramatic yes. than this. Suspending it, habeas corpus and all kinds of things. Yes, yeah. there were some bad things happening. But for this moron, because the world started just a few years ago when Donald Trump... To, to, that's the depth of knowledge she has about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's the person sent to the White House... It cannot be. It can be compared in some ways to the Middle Passage, separating African Americans and throwing them across the United States. So, ripping people or buying people from Africa in the 1600s, 1700s, and 1800s, mm-hmm. and bringing them to the West Indies is is the same as what Trump was doing. Slavery was the same thing as what Trump was doing. It can yeah. be compared to. It's on the level of, which is. Um, you know, it's one of those comparisons, I think, that's like right up there with the Holocaust, where really, except for slavery, uh, in particular, like the American system of chattel slavery, which is like pretty unique in history. But um, the and and the you know, the when I say American system of slavery, I'm including like the Americas, like uh, South American, Central American slavery as well. But um, that was that's one of those things that unless it's that you shouldn't compare things to it because it's really such a unique moment Mm -hmm. and such a horrific institution that to compare other things, especially, you know, policies that have persisted under multiple U S presidents over time on both sides of the aisle is really shocking to say that. I mean, it's, it's right up there with the Holocaust. Like you shouldn't say other things are like the Holocaust unless they're the Holocaust. Right. And you're allowed to be a dumb person, which she is. And that's Mm -hmm. fine. But to have her be the person, the point person at the white house for these four years of Trump. And then for her and her, all her friends and all the progressives in the country to say, wow, isn't it great that the temperature has gone down since Trump has gone? Jesus. I wonder who rose the, the, who, 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 you know, created the, the, the spike in the temperature. These are arsonists complaining about fires. That's exactly what right. this is. I'm glad all the fires have stopped. Well, you stopped lighting them, you idiot. Um, this was a policy that ripped children out of the hands of their parents and their guardians. Um, and you can't unsee the And some strangers. Images that we saw um, at the border with crying children, with children in cages, um, with, with- with with young children trying to care for other young children because their parents were were kidnapped essentially from them. What is so far? Parents are kidnapped. Pardon me. I'm just waiting for right now. It's um Nicole Wallace who's the the mm-hmm. host who's supposedly in in journalism. I'm waiting for her to say, "Wait a minute, you just said the middle pass is slavery. Is it? Are you sure it's on that level? And how is it on that level?" And also, they kidnapped. Are you saying that this is literally kidnapping? Is it? Is that what it is? It's owed to these immigrants because I'm also thinking of a woman. Going, I know we've been talking about family separation, but the Remain in Mexico policy. I went down to Mexico and interviewed a woman who was kidnapped with, along with her young daughter, while being forced to remain in Mexico. Being forced to remain in Mexico. So what happens is they sneak into the United States illegally. We make a deal with Mexico saying. You keep them over there while we adjudicate it, because if we yeah. keep them over here, they're not going to show up for court hearings, and we can't hold them now because the left is saying that we're um, doing middle passage politics down there. The Remain in Mexico program was a good program. Yeah, Biden just got rid of it, I think, but it was a good program. So it's, they're in Mexico instead of the United States. Well, it, well it's being adjudicated, right? You know, it, and, and it's certainly something meant to just dis- discourage 
more illegal uh, immigration. Right. And so if they're it's meant well, to they encourage the, you, if they make the the the, the trek from Guatemala up into Mexico, and they have to remain there because they have no right to be in the, in the United States. Or in Mexico, it, frankly. Right. And they get kidnapped. Well, that sucks. I'm sorry about that. But that's not on us. That's yeah. not us. Yeah. I And and like I said, I mean, like, if you want Congress- I went down there, and I talked to a woman who was forced to remain in Mexico, and she got kidnapped. Well, that, that's very interesting. Yeah, to me. sorry she, that That Mexico- doesn't mean a goddamn thing, of course, to, to, to what they- Maybe she should talk to the Mexican president then about how they're letting right. people get kidnapped left and right in right. Mexico. No, but there's um, one bad guy that is charged of. I remember Trump's executive order, the pro Trump is now order. responsible for everything that happens to everybody on the whole planet, Including, while they don't right come now, to the United yeah, States. You're right, Allison. Right now, remember, it's similar to the Middle Passage. Pretty soon, it'll be. It was Trump's middle passage. Again, a policy that was decreed by international agencies. That Was it decreed by international agencies, by the way, genius? Did she, which, is she not going to say it was decreed to be something? No. She just means decried? Yes. But she's a really <laughs> smart person. I'm sure she went to Columbia. Was seen as inhumane. That was seen as completely not part of the, uh, the asylum-seeking process. That- it was seen by international agencies as being inhumane. Yeah, and they also... Uh, said that it was inhumane in 2014 as well when they said that it was breaking international laws. No middle passage back then. There There wasn't the middle passage. Obama didn't do chattel slavery on the southern border? That was illegal, essentially, in the eyes of the international community. It was illegal, essentially, in the eyes Mm -hmm. of the international community. woman was kidnapped. What is she now owed? And how are we going to find her? These are... Wait, wait, what is she now owed? (laughs) What is she owed? I don't know. Is there a tab that... For every kidnapping now that goes directly to the Trump and his supporters? The questions that the Biden administration has not answered yet, but these are going to be the questions at the heart of the policies, not just how are they going to tweak and change things, but also what are the reparations in some ways owed to so many of these Americans, so many of these immigrants, oh, well. rather. That- yeah, Humichi, there is a difference. They're not Americans. Yeah. Or else they I could mean- stay. What do we you owe know, the Uyghurs? We owe the Uyghurs more, actually, because we enable China. But, like, what do we owe people? Everybody who tries to get in but isn't allowed gets reparations now? <laughs> I mean, We more went than that, through we... six countries to try to break into your country illegally and, you know, and, and engage in many, many different kinds of fraud as we step in line uh, in this country to use fraud to, you know, to uh, in, enrich ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, uh, and you didn't let us do that. You wanted us to go the proper way and have to wait. We wanted it right now. So we'd like reparations. And this genius. And we're Americans, by the way. Yes. <laughs> that, were, that were now in some ways thrown away by, by America. And I have to- We threw them away. We threw them away. I mean, we do have a process to come into America, do we not? Like the, people are allowed to move here, right? Can I go and you meet? I think house? I know some. Can I go hang out? Actually, oh, I and assume, if she says no, I am I thrown away and owed reparations? Well, I assume you know that we can just drop our kids off in her yard. It's probably a nicer house than ours. Yes, you know, and with a nicer school system. Why don't we just take our kids, drop them off at Yamichi's house, and you know, let her sort it out? And if she, uh calls the police or makes them leave then we're owed reparations well and yes not only that but it's on her to reunite them with us whether or not we want them back and for some i may not say one other thing underscoring all of this let me guess underscoring all of this Mm -hmm. what's simmering a little bit beneath all this let me guess it's a plate tectonics 
Gravity? Right. Uh, yes. Uh, our astrological uh, position at the moment, the tides. What's underscoring out of What could it be? For somebody as smart as you, Michael Cinder, what could possibly be at the root of all this? As we talk about this racial reckoning, is xenophobia, is racism, is white supremacy. Oh. What, how, when, when you separate brown children, especially from their mothers, we have to ask ourselves, how was that allowed to, be, to happen? When you separate brown children, especially. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's funny because all of the Swiss illegal caravans that went through uh, Mexico, nobody was separated. They said, no, 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 you can let them come right in. Separate brown. What role did white supremacy play in that? Absolutely. That's Nicole Wallace. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. You've only gone on for about a minute and 58 uh, seconds now saying insanely ridiculous, absurd detached, crazy things now, which belies the truth that we all know. You've proven yourself to be a dumb human being and an inept reporter. But we're not going to say, oh, absolutely, that's right. That's right, yes. Yes, absolutely. I will play that game. And I think that's at the root of of all of these conversations. You're not just reducing or reversing heinous policies it's, again, as, as with the extremist threat that we've all been warned about persisting through April 30th, it's the danger of mainstreaming and, and what Trump ushered in was white supremacy, making it, legitimizing it as a factor in American political life. That- These people have nothing. They have no intellectual argument to make about anything. Mm-hmm. And that's why it always goes back to freaking witchcraft. Right. Because witchcraft... That's right. It just is. See? It runs through everybody's veins. So witchcraft is happening. But you know what else? Some of them are happier now. Because although the all the Trump people need to be found, a la um, Nuremberg and <laughs> hanged, um, you know, some people, including Brittany Shepard, mm-hmm. who's worked in the White House press briefing room during Trump as well, She's just celebrating her liberation. Brian, it's been really refreshing to have briefings every day and to even know who the senior officials talking to Biden are. We were not getting that in any of the Trump mm. years, especially in those waning days mm. yeah. of the McEnany briefings. And it is refreshing. I do kind of a, put it towards like having a really bad ex-boyfriend. To- okay. That's fine. That's <laughs> Having Trump working during the Trump administration was having a really bad ex-boyfriend. She can't articulate her problem on the merits of the policies. So essentially, well, it made me felt like, you know, you have a bad boyfriend. Yeah. They know they don't have to date the president, right? Just one look at you. And I know it's going to be. a bad boyfriend. I went to work at the White House to have a good boyfriend. I didn't want a bad boyfriend. I wanted a good boyfriend, one who was nice to me. Now we have a good boyfriend. Brian, it's been really refreshing to have briefings every day and to even know who the senior officials talking to Biden are. We were not getting that in any of the Trump Mm. years, especially in those waning days of the McEnany briefings. And it is refreshing. I do kind of a 
put it towards like having a really bad ex-boyfriend. <laughs> we were getting essentially abused by Kaylee for so long, or at least she was calling us fake news and inciting <laughs> her followers uh, and the followers of the president to not only harass us online, but obviously go to uh, deadly ends for some people with death threats. Now we have Jen and the entire Biden team. It's very refreshing, but it's important to remember that the bar has literally been left on the floor and just being able to show up and clear it isn't enough. So it's great that we're having briefings every day, but it is, we're seeing, like you, you, we heard. Love it, love it, good boyfriend, good boyfriend. Jen Ah, okay, it's over. We're through that, Alice. We're through that. You've made it. We're through that. Okay, so um, an antler-wearing whack job uh, congressman yelled at somebody from CNN, and it made me happy. Yeah, I'll take some questions. Yeah. I wanted to ask you specifically. I know you talked yesterday. I listened to your speech, but you said on the video in January 2019. I'm just going to read it to you verbatim. You said it's been taken out. Of- who, who are you? With? What's your name? I'm Jessica Dean. With CNN. By our law, representatives and senators can be kicked out and no longer serve in our government. And it's a crime punishable by death, is what treason is. What you said. Did you see my Did you see my speech yesterday? I, how many How many stories did you report on Russian collusion conspiracy lies? No, I want to know. Have you apologized for Russian collusion conspiracy lies? Have you? I don't have to. I stand by the fact that you said Nancy Pelosi is guilty of treason, and that's. I think you heard my speech yesterday. You owe the people an apology. You lied about President Trump. You owe the people an apology. I've done mine yesterday. Okay, next next question. Marjorie Taylor Greene is being a bad boyfriend Did right there, Alice. Did you hear my speech yesterday? Oh, no. uh, abusive, abusive. Yelling at the press. That is terrible. That is terrible. It was um, not a good day, January 6th. There's no doubt at all. Hold on one second. Hold on. My brother just sent me something. Okay. Sorry, he wants to send us the picture of the kids sledding to some of his friends. Um, okay, so um, the January 6th was a bad day and crazy thuggery happened at the White House with punks and uh, it was a bad news. And if you were there, I'm sure that it would have been pretty scary. I mean, I don't I don't even know. I've never even um, dealt Hold on. You've never even dealt. I've never even dealt with anybody with antlers, so I don't know how <laughs> yeah, that is. I mean, I'm you sure wouldn't like bad. most of the people in that crowd. I right. Think. I don't think I'd like most of the people in that crowd. But you know, I didn't. I'm not emoting over it because I wasn't there. So, um, so although I think it was disgraceful, I'm not. I don't feel like I had a bunch of bad boyfriends running through my life, and I'm not emotionally hurt. Rashida Tlaib, though, is very upset. She, uh, like me, was uh, a thousand miles away from the Capitol when it happened. But here we go. So what happened on January 6th, all I could do was thank Allah that I wasn't here. I felt overwhelming relief. And I feel bad for Alexandria, so many of my colleagues that were here. But as I saw it, I thought to myself, thank God (laughs) I am not there. I saw the images that they... Then why do you get to cry and do a thing? This was for the, we were there people. This is more right? for the, no, we weren't there people. They didn't get to see until later. This is stolen sorrow. My team and I decided at that point, we'd keep the death threats away. We'd try to report them, document them, to keep them away from me. 
because it just paralyzed me and all I wanted to do was come here and serve the people that raised me. Try to keep it together, Rashida. Remember you were going to impeach the mother effer when you got elected? Oh, yeah, she Where's was that? very tough. Where's that, Rashida? Calm down here. God, it's so interesting how both rage and totally blubbering breakdown are easily transitioned to when you're a crazy freaking progressive. Yeah. The people that told my mother, who only had eighth grade education, that she deserves human dignity. People that believed in me. And so it's hard. What are you talking about? What are you yeah, talking what, about? Why are why we, we with her mom this, now? Why are you? There are therapists available all around this country. It's hard. It's hard when my. This isn't about the people in your mom of eight kids, etc. This isn't about AOC's assault that happened to her, to use it to blame on... T- it's like it's every everything has to be the emotional ki- kitchen sink. Seven brothers and six sisters. Jesus, two cousins, nine stepsisters, four uh, parakeets. Beg me to get protection. Many urging me to get a gun for the first time. And I have to tell... This is all very emotional, uh, Congresswoman, but why do you need to say this uh, in front of us right now? Why? What are we doing? I know. What does that have to do with the Capitol? Exactly. Are you the trauma from just being here existing as a Muslim? It's so hard, but imagine the trauma from just being there in the Capitol. Just existing is hard. (laughs) Just existing every day. The trauma. Jesus. Maybe if it's that traumatic being Muslim, like you should reconsider. I don't know. Like, is that is it really traumatic to be Muslim? Because I distance myself I've from known, that. I've known some Muslim people, and they don't seem like traumatized by existence. <laughs> like, I just it seems they seem fine mostly. I don't know. My team, which I lovingly just adore, they are diverse. I have LGBTQ what? staff. I have. A beautiful Muslima that wears her hijab proudly in the halls. What does this have to do with anything? Other than the fact that she's having a breakdown of some sort, whether it's either theatrical or truly emotional, in which case, either case, their help is needed. <laughs> what does this have to do with anything? Jesus Christ, I don't even know what staff and how many brothers and sisters Steve Scalise had. I don't know. He didn't yes. spend the time to tell me. Yeah, and he actually almost did die. Yes, he got like, shot. Like, literally, literally almost died, not in a vaguer sense. We have black sense. women that are so proud to be here to serve their country, and I worry every day for their lives because of this rhetoric. I never thought that they would feel... Did nobody have enough respect for her to call 911, <laughs> get her a medic? I mean, AOC came over and, like, patted her arm, you know? Can you imagine unsafe here and so i asked my colleagues to please try not to dehumanize what's happening this is real and you know many of our residents from the shootings in charlottesville too this isn't what charlottesville it's it's all the same thing it's all trump did that one too the massacre at the synagogue all of it all of it is led by hate rhetoric. The shooting of your colleagues in Alexandria practicing baseball? Is that one of it or is that not one of it? No. Different. And so I urge my colleagues to please, please take what happened on January 6th seriously. 
<laughs> okay, so uh, congratulations on having her as your representative. I'm no one to talk. Mine are just uh, is ter- terrible. Uh, none of them are Rep. Dean Phillips. This guy, this guy, I'm allowed to attack. This guy is a dirtbag. I'm not here this evening to seek sympathy or just to tell my story. Okay, then can you just hand the mic to the next person, please? Because this is what this is right now. Rather to make a public apology for recognizing that we were sitting ducks in this room as the chamber was about to be breached, I screamed to my colleagues to follow me, to follow me across the aisle to the Republican side of the chamber so that we could blend in. We can use the Republicans as human shields. <laughs> so that we could blend in. Thanks a lot. The Republicans were like, yeah, no, you can, over there is fine. I mean, didn't these people want to hang Pence? Too? Yes. For I felt that the insurrectionists who were trying to break down the doors right here would spare us if they simply mistook us for Republicans. They're brothers in arms. <laughs> but within moments, I recognized that blending in was not an option available to my colleagues of color. So I'm here tonight to say to my brothers and sisters in... Con- the waterworks. He's starting with the waterworks. This is the guy. Let me tell you something. This guy is a weasel. A weasel. Do not um, be in a compromised position around this guy. Congress and all around our country, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For I had never understood, really understood, what privilege really means. It took a violent mob of insurrectionists and a lightning bolt moment in this very room. But now I know. Believe me, I really know. What an a-hole. He lashes his on to wokeness. Right. Oh, good. Here I go. This I can virtually be in front of these people. Now I feel bad for being white. I, now I know. Now I know. It's like everybody who died that day, I think, was white. I think so. I mean... <laughs> You know what it reminds me of is you know the um the Louis C.K. bit where um he talks about how he's on the plane and he's like thinking about giving up his first class seat for the troops. Yes. And then he doesn't, but he like tears up thinking about how touching yes. it would be if he oh, did. That's a it's like that's like what this guy is. He's like tearing up thinking to himself about how noble he is for like realizing what privileges in that moment when his life was in danger. Like I'm not here to talk about the danger I was in. Just about how I realized that racism is really a real thing. For the first time, I finally knew what privilege was. Like, it's incredible. Okay. All right. All right. Before we get out of here, the Super Bowl is starting in three minutes. Or it is over. If you're listening to this, who won? Uh, all right. Um, I just want to get – Van Jones mm-hmm. talked to – had the the – he wrote a book right now that actually seems very interesting. I'd like to interview him. Van Jones is somebody who, in the last few years, has worked across the aisle with uh, Republicans about – he's a media guy, among other things uh, – Republicans about uh, criminal justice reform. And so he's had conversations with uh, people like Candace Owens, who's a black conservative, and other mm-hmm. conservatives. He even showed up at CPAC to talk there. And uh, now he's writing a book about his this cause, criminal justice reform, et cetera. And he, for having, for treating Republicans like human beings with value, he is now being destroyed. Anna Navarro, who is a wretched thing, uh, is uh, on The View, 
it first went no i was supposed to on the view but anyway she went after him you did things like take smiling pictures with candace owens who i think yes! is very hurtful okay do you not regret that do you not see that you're giving no. her legitimacy you don't regret taking pictures pic- uh, smiling took- pictures with candace owens i, I mean how does that help the issue Anna. You're gonna have I to take it outside. Thanks I, I to Van Jones, I, the United, the reunited states will be sorry, streaming. And sorry about that, Van. Take it outside. Sorry about that. Uh, eventually, Sunny Hostin of The View has her turn to take a shot at Van Jones. Now, now Van, you do spend a lot of time, uh, you know, threading the middle and trying to, to unite people. But uh, there are those who really accuse you of being a political opportunist, a chameleon, so to speak, who provided a racial cover for a former disgraced, twice impeached President Trump. You said this, and I quote, Donald Trump, and I get beat up by liberals every time I say this, but I'm going to keep saying it. He has done good stuff for the black community, opportunity zone stuff, black college stuff. Stuff. There's a side to Donald Trump that I think he does not get enough credit for. Yet, just recently, you cried uh, on CNN when Joe Biden was elected the 46th president. Um, and you said, it's easier to be a parent now. Character matters now. Truth matters. You even mentioned George Floyd and said a lot of people felt they couldn't breathe. People in the black community don't trust you anymore. What, what is your response? Oh, well, I, I, don't, I don't think that, that that's true. If you, the entire quote I said was that people in the black community don't trust you anymore. Your persona non grata. That Trump has done a lot of good stuff he doesn't get credit for. And then I went on to say the reason I get credit for it is because he's done all this horrific stuff, said all this horrific stuff, and it completely erases what he's done. But what happens is social media will take the clip, but they won't show the full context. And so what, what I will say is this. My entire life has been about bringing people together to solve tough problems for people at the very bottom who don't have anything. I've spent 25 years fighting against the prison system. Uh, I have helped to close five abusive prisons. And by working with Republicans at the local, state, and federal level, and yes, including the Trump administration, I have helped to pass 18 bipartisan bills. We got 14,000 people. On Ron, he goes like this for two minutes. It's actually kind of a good rant. Um, and he, uh, he, he just comported himself well, and he talked about the value of having conversations with people in order to get things done. I've got problems with Van Jones. I thought the CPAC stuff and the, working with criminal justice reform in mm-hmm. actually saying positive things about the team around Trump was admirable considering you're seeing now what happens when you when somebody does Yeah, when that. you even say a measured, balanced take right. on Trump. You, you talk get- to Candace Owens. You talk to her? <laughs> you can't talk to her? You angry, mean people. God, a bunch of bullies. Well, and it's counterproductive for the things that they want to get done. It took Trump working with people on the left to get a, a criminal justice reform done. You know what I mean? Like, And Trump probably would have been open to a lot of different progressive ideas because he's not a very ideological right-wing type of person. If the left, if Pelosi and Schumer and the rest of them, if AOC had decided to take advantage of the opportunity having Trump there, they could easily have gotten way more things done than they did during the Trump years that would have been making Republicans tearing their hair out, you know? It just it just was so politically short-sighted and and ridiculous the way they've acted about Trump and it's going to continue to, you know, hurt them for a long time, I think, in their actual policy goals. But um, yeah, I mean, I had a couple more things that jumped out at me this weekend when we were uh, going around doing things. One is that we talked a while ago, was this like a week or two ago, I guess, about uh, the San Francisco schools and um, how they're renaming a bunch of the San Francisco schools 
I think you remember this, including yeah. like the one named for Diane Feinstein, right. including ones named after Lincoln, including ones named after um named after, you know, George Washington, all these people. So the New Yorker actually got an interview with the president of the school board in San Francisco. And they had her interviewed by Isaac, uh, I don't know how to say his name, Chotner, I guess. I don't know. But I've only seen his name in print, but he's a pretty respected interviewer. And um, people people really like him. And he actually kind of put it to her a little bit on some of this stuff. And it's it's a fascinating interview. The whole thing is in The New Yorker. But um, but some things were, uh, you know, it just it's so incredible. I had to read like a couple clips of this aloud to you. Um, so he asked her because um, because they said that they didn't include historians in this. And they got a lot of historical facts wrong in their reasons that they stated they were removing things. For example, they said they were removing the name Paul Revere because he was part of um, the Penobscot Rebellion, which because it was like colonization of Penobscot Indians, but it wasn't. It just happened to be in a location that was named after Penobscot. It had nothing to do with any Native Americans who were involved in the battle at all. It was part of the Revolutionary War. But uh, anyway... Um, so he asked her some of these questions, and it's really interesting. Um, he said, you're talking about learning of history, and it's important. Does the committee want historians to testify, and why or why not? And she said, so it's hard for me to answer that question without just pointing to committee statements that they did not want to include historians. I think that's not the process they created. They included a diverse set of community members, people with a set of experiences that contribute to these discussions, people from different backgrounds who are educated in their own rights. So I think that was the makeup of the committee. One member, and then here's the interviewer again, Isaac, when a member of the committee said about talking to historians, what would be the point? History is written and documented pretty well across the board, so we don't need to bother belaboring history in that regard. We're not debating that. There's no point in debating history in that regard. Either it happened or it didn't. What do you think of that? And she replied, I think I'm trying to understand your question then. Are you thinking then there's no allowing for that to be the process? And he Uh, keeps pushing this. You were talking earlier about how no matter whom we uplift, history needs to be taught. Since you're highlighting the importance of history, I was curious if historians had testified, and it seems like they hadn't. He is getting to a point here. And she says, right, my work is in sharing with students this understanding of our history. I think that for me, it's important to uplift. This does not <laughs> this does not cancel history. It's a moment and an opportunity to uplift things that we normally aren't uplifting in our public school system, oh, in our society. And that means other voices, other experiences of diverse community members that would bring pride to our student body and that would allow for students to learn more about themselves. It's really moving away from this idea that somehow in taking away these names, we're taking away the stories we're taking away what happened we can't move on with that understanding we can't heal as a society without that understanding yeah but the question was you know you weren't including historians and it seems like you didn't include historians and why not so the answer to that is we're uplifting things uplifting things how wonderful so now he gets to the point the reason i bring this up is that some of the historical reasoning behind these decisions has been contested not so much how we should view the fact that george washington was a founder of the country and a slaveholder but rather factual things like paul revere's name being removed for the penobscot expedition which is not actually about the colonization of native american lands and so there were questions about whether historians should have been involved to check these things 
So she goes, oh, I see what you're saying. So for me, I guess it's just the criteria was created to show if there were ties to these specific themes, right? (laughs) White supremacy, racism, colonization, ties to slavery, the killing of indigenous people, or any symbols that embodied that. And the committee shared that these are the names that have these ties. And so for me, at this moment, I have the understanding we have to do the teaching. But I do also agree that we shouldn't have these ties. And this is a way of showing it. And he says, I guess part of the problem is that the ties may not be what the committee said they were. That's why I brought it up. (laughs) But we're uplifting here, sir. But then you go into discrediting the work that they're doing and the process that they put together in order to create this list. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I would say he's discrediting it, actually, yes. So then we begin to have these conversations and we're pointing to that and we're giving the reasoning and they're sharing why they made this choice and why they're putting it out there. I don't want to get into a process where we discredit the work that this group has done. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) And he says, but it seems like we should have some sense of whether what they did was historically correct or not. No. And she says... I'm open for that conversation. (laughs) Jesus. Um, And then the other part that I thought was interesting is, um, is they go back and forth again about how these decisions were made, how they picked these things. He goes back and forth about, you know, some of the, um, you know, the different people and how there were factual errors here that she has this, she, you heard her answer to that. That's she just repeats it in different word salad conversations, but then he gets to Lincoln And he goes, I think a lot of the commentary about the school names is focused specifically on Lincoln. It seems to be a thing a lot of people are most upset about. Do you have any thoughts about Lincoln and how we should view him? And she said, I think that the killing of indigenous people in that record is something that is not acknowledged. It's something that people are now learning about and due to this process. And so we just have to do the work of extra learning when we're having these discussions. And he says, but beyond that, anything else? What do you mean? I'm curious how you view him generally. So he's asking her personal opinion on Abraham Lincoln. And she says, I think Lincoln gets more praise than the, uh, how can I say this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that Lincoln is not someone I typically tend to admire or see as a hero (laughs) because of these specific instances where he's contributed to the pain of the decimation of people. And that's not something that I want to ignore. It's something that I'm learning about, and I know it's not often spoken about. Okay, so here we go. We get to the point. Lincoln is not someone to admire at all. And uh, Sarah, you want my fruit juice? Do you want Daddy's seltzer? Yeah. It's yummy. Um, yeah, so that's that. I mean, I think it's interesting. There's so how article, did it end again? Um, she, Lincoln isn't someone she typically admires or sees as a hero. Because, uh, you know, it goes on here. But um, she, you know, he goes back and forth about the factual right. problems. Yeah, and, no, I get that. But, but yeah, but the, the, the bottom line is, and he messed up the camera, so now you're seeing me and Dave on the sofa instead of the room. Um so uh the dog's coming in now. This is falling apart here. Yeah, but uh that's that's a big one. I that's mean, incredible. I think, well, they're uplifting. Why are you getting yeah. in, in in the way of the uplifting? Don't you understand? Yeah, you're discrediting the work of our committee when you complain about the factual errors that they had. It's a problem. And now, it's so about the uh, this is about good feeling and symbolism. Don't yeah. uplift. Yeah, and uh, and you know the. The Washington Post ran an op-ed today about how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yes. are problematic because pirates are scary. Well, I know, and don't. It's about you know, you know, it, sir. Don't use your professional capacity. Use your personal capacity, the human mm-hmm. inside of you, rather than the learned, uh, obtuse person who's going to demand facts and historical accuracies. My goodness. So.
that's who's running the San Francisco schools. Um, at our house, I'm running the schools, so yes. you can see how that's going. Uh, you can check in with us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. You can uh, find us Did he on. Just pour that out. No, he poured it into a cup. Oh. oh uh, you can um, you can find us on YouTube. We're the Burn Barrel uh, Podcast, Tom Shattuck's Anything Burn Barrel channel right on on YouTube. You can see him pour see water my right near my laptop. Oh my goodness. Uh, and you can also just shoot us an email, burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. See ya. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.